Would you pray with me? Father, just seeing the, that last song, we are citizens by grace and grace alone. We are here the last day of 2023. We are here by grace and grace alone. We are worshiping you by grace and grace alone. Would you help us as we dive into your word today, as we learn from you, and as we hear from you. We need you more than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you all can grab a seat. So if I haven't met you yet, my name's Dane. I serve on staff here. Uh, You're probably wondering why haven't you seen me up here and uh, I only get to preach every five years. (laughs) Now, every time I got scheduled, it was funny, is the... uh, the weather in Bellingham would decide, oh, I'm going to snow the, the Sunday after Christmas. And so, yes, five years ago, someone reminded me was the last time I was up here. So you get the joy to hear me preach again. A little rusty, but we'll, we'll figure it out. I have two announcements for you all. Um, this next Sunday, we are back to the 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. service. So the last two Sundays, we've done 10 a.m. only. Uh, so we are back to 9 and 11. The second one, I love that they give me really simple announcements. This is great. This is great. <laughs> the next announcement is we're starting a new sermon series through the book of Romans. So obviously it's going to be a really easy book to go through for the next year. So uh, with that, those two announcements. So 9 and 11, what time is the services? 9 and 11. Man, you guys are listening. I love that. Okay. Uh, What we'll do right now for just a couple minutes, turn around, greet those around you, and then we'll get started. No one ever listens. (laughs) All right, grab a seat. All right, we are going to get started here. Um... It's, uh, it's great to see everyone today. Um, 
It's funny, Rob told me the one thing you have to be wary of is when you tell people to greet, they don't want to stop greeting because they actually like each other. And he said that in his notes, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I'm up here like, do I have to dance to get you guys to sit down? No. All right, before we start, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into God's word. Father, um, we just celebrated the reality that a child was born to us. Your son had been given. There are times and seasons, even we're reminded when there are broken things that happen in our lives and there are times when, when we pray to you, we say things like, God, couldn't you just give me one good thing to help me? But as we open up your word today, and as we look upon the great gift that you have given us, may we see you pro- provide our covering. That your son who was born, who was slain, who covers our shame. May you help us see Jesus and all his mystery and glory and majesty. And we all say, amen, amen. So I was tasked with the uh, real easy job to explain the incarnation of Christ, Christ coming down as a human, and I only got about 20 minutes to do so. And as I opened up all the books and and saw the slew, there are thousands of pages to explain the incarnation of Christ, and I get to do it in 20 minutes. So, here we go. All right. I do, though, before we get started, I have a statement that I would like to read. I'm sure you guys are all like, oh boy, what's this going to be? Here it is. As the holiday season continues to unfold, I find myself contemplating the early surge of Christmas music. In my household, my wonderful children decided to bring on the festive tunes and also the movies, and it started earlier and earlier. This year, they decided to embrace the Yuletide melodies a good two days before Thanksgiving. Some of you are cringing right now. Now, I won't challenge the established norm to suggest a radical idea that Christmas carols should be reserved for post-December 1st. Anybody, amen? Amen. Perfect, I've got one, yes. After all, who am I to propose such an audacious notion? And if this really bothers you, If this really bothers you what I just said, feel free to email me at rob at redeemernw.org. I have been waiting so long to do that to Rob. (laughs) Yet, on a serious note, I truly do appreciate the Christmas music for its melodic tones that shape the atmosphere. Truly, the season, it does feel like it brings us this sense of the season uh, when we listen to this. However, there's one particular song, and I love this song. We've sung it many times at Redeemer, and that's the song Away in a Major. And the reason I point this out is there's a line that I think brings a misunderstanding of who Christ is and can, sometimes if we look at it, it can be not as helpful as we think. And the this line goes like this. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. The verse specifically I'm talking about is no crying he makes. If anyone in here knows a lot about kids, and I see a lot of you even with kids, uh, you could probably tell me if they're woken from a deep sleep, they're not crying, right? No, they are crying uncontrollably. 
unbelievably. Let me just say this about the song line and what it says about Jesus. You know how even though he's the son of God and he became human, there's still this feeling that we feel like we are completely separate from him. That, that he is not quite like us. And although that is true, we realize that we sometimes come to God and say, you don't know quite what it's like to be a human. I know you came down for us, but you don't quite know my pain. But here's the amazing part that we're about to dive into today. When God became one of us, it wasn't just him putting on a disguise. He went all in, experiencing everything we do. And the more we realize that he became like us in every way, it helps us to worship him more and more and connect with him even more. So if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. And the Bible's in front of you. It's on page 858. We're gonna be in Luke chapter two. And we're gonna start in 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Feel free to grab a seat. So the first thing we're gonna look at, according to Luke here, Jesus was like us in every way. Um, What we see in these verses is that Jesus didn't just skip the whole growing up phase of humanity. Uh, It wasn't just some divine brain that was put into a human body. It's more like God going all in, fully embracing the human experience. Like us, he had a real brain that needed time to develop. He had to learn stuff along the way. I was recently chatting with a friend and he was telling me about a story when his kid was younger. He asked his son, hey, do you ever think that Jesus made mistakes when he was growing up? His son said, no, absolutely not. He was like, well, why not? His son said, because if he made mistakes, then that means that Jesus sins. And uh, my friend said to his son, 
So what you're saying is making a mistake is a sin. So what you're saying is if you accidentally burn the bread that you're making for the family dinner because you're too busy with stuff, that's a sin. Or you're cleaning up and you accidentally swing your arm and knock a glass off the table and you break it, that's a sin. Or my favorite is starting the the dryer to make sure my clothes are ready for the next day and they're moldy or smell really gross and it's like, well, I'm not wearing those today. So... So imagine Jesus going through what we do. He learned. He learned how to write. He had to learn how to spell words correctly. Maybe even when he was working with his dad in his carpentry business and he swung a hammer and hit his thumb trying to hit in, drive in a nail. Jesus faced the same challenges that we do as we grow up. He wasn't pretending to know everything. He was just like you, learning and growing in wisdom as life went on. In simple terms, this, uh, think about this. When Jesus was learning things, did he ever make mistakes like we do? The point is this. He didn't pretend to know everything. He genuinely learned just like we do. His mind worked like ours, gaining knowledge, making sense of things, and getting wiser as life went on. We see this in Luke 2.40. He says, uh, he increased and filled with wisdom. He increasingly filled with wisdom, meaning that he got smarter and wiser as he grew up. Jesus was like us, tackling the same struggles, facing the same learning curves, and growing in wisdom, just like we do. Jesus shared every experience. Often, though, we quickly skim over the, this fact, failing the grass, uh, to grasp the profound significance that Jesus learned like we do. Not only in that, though, we see this, that Jesus grew up in physical growth as well. From baby Jesus to grown-up Jesus, he went through it all. The sleepless nights, the diaper changes. Some of you parents, it's like even the diaper rashes. Jesus experienced that. Even when he was older, he was getting older. He went through puberty. Even as an older man, he got hungry, so he ate. He was tired, so he took naps. This is real human things, not something that he is faking. In simple terms, Jesus was fully human. Not a remote, untouchable God. He understands the entire spectrum of the human experience. From the messy and challenging moments to the joyous and celebratory experiences. I don't know, uh, raise your hand, any of you football fans? Most of the guys, not a lot of the ladies. Okay, that's a telling sign. Soccer, right, 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 no. So... I don't get to watch, working on Sundays, I don't get to watch a lot of uh, football. But when I do, I was reminded of this TV ad called He Gets Us. I don't know if anybody has seen that. It pops up every so often. The campaign, it revolves around the profound concept that Jesus, in his divine and earthly nature, intimately understands the human experience. Whether grappling with challenges, celebrating joys, or navigating the complexities of life, this campaign asserts that Jesus comprehends the intricacies of being human. 
By employing relatable scenarios, emphasizing Jesus's empathy, the campaign aims to foster a connection between individuals and their faith, highlighting this notion that in every aspect of our lives, Jesus genuinely gets us. As I was reading through that, it reminded me of a story. When I first came to know Jesus 20 years ago, I was 19 in college, and I, uh, by God's grace, I had a friend. We kind of came to faith at the same time, and we had this um, desire to know the homeless community in Bellingham, uh, so much so that we, as poor college students, were like, you know what? We have stuff. We are blessed. Let's pack our bags. Let's go down into Tent City, and let's engage with these people that are a part of our community and know their story. This, we did this for years and years and so much so that we decided to get a little even crazier and take tents down there and we would just stay with them and we would talk with them, we would enjoy their company and we made some great friendships while we were down there. But as I was reflecting on this, it just, it just dawned on me to the very glimpse of what we did to enter into uh, the people of our community that needed help, so much so, so much more did Jesus step into our humanity, the one that we broke, stepped into our mess and is like us in every way. If we're gonna, if you're going through the heartache of loss, Jesus knows how you feel. It's like he's sitting beside you. If you're feeling pain, if you're uh, dealing with sickness, Jesus knows what that's like. It's not some distant sympathy. He truly understands the ups and downs. So whether it's loss or health battles, just remember, Jesus knows how you feel. He's right there with you, sharing your joys and your struggles, even in the good things. Jesus was like us in every way, and yet as we're gonna see in this passage, there's one way he wasn't like us. Let's look at the rest of the passage. In verse 41 through 51, we see Jesus' parents discover that they lost their child. The one whom they knew was the savior of the world. Parents, are there any parenting blunders where you're even coming in today going, oh, I'm a terrible parent. At least you didn't lose the savior of the world. <laughs> you're good, you're good. It makes me think a little bit better about uh, our second, Isla. I was carrying groceries, I was carrying her, and I tripped up the stairs, and I should throw the groceries. I should throw the groceries. I accidentally threw the kid. <laughs> up the stairs. So when I read this, I thought, I mean, I didn't lose the savior of the world. <laughs> All joking aside, though, the reason this happened, the parents, you're probably wondering, like, how did you lose your kid? Well, in this time, it wasn't like they were just hopping in their car, driving to Jerusalem, or uh, getting on a donkey or whatnot. They would travel in groups of families because it's safer that way. Uh, robbers wouldn't be able to uh, pick off people going alone. So they assumed that Jesus was probably with the other families. And then once they got to their destination, knowing, hey, where is Jesus? And that's when they started looking for him. Um, 
But it's interesting though, in these verses, his parents find him and they're not thrilled. I mean, if you could put tone into Mary's voice in here, she's not happy with him. She says to, to the degree of, son, why have you treated us like this? Your dad and I have been searching and we're so stressed out, we're anxious. Where are you? Now, it's crucial to understand this point though. What Jesus was doing was not rebellious. Jesus was a 12-year-old boy. If you can remember back to being 12 years old, you did the things that a 12-year-old mind does. You're focused on one thing. You're not thinking of the things around you. But with this perspective of a 12-year-old, he wasn't trying to defy his parents. Instead, he was simply doing what he needed to do and knew what was best. And that was to be near teachers of the Bible, to learn, to grow, and sharing his own wisdom. They were even astonished at his own wisdom. As a 12-year-old, Jesus had a profound understanding of why he was there and what his mission was. Now, as we look at verse 51, it says this, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. What I love what this is saying is that Jesus obeyed the fifth commandment to honor your father and your mother. And not just the fifth commandment, but also the seventh commandment. He perfectly followed the commands, honoring them, loving the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving his neighbor as himself. As you journey through the gospels, you see Jesus was like us in every way. He took naps, he ate, he was tired. But in every way, he perfectly honored the 10 commandments. He even fulfilled all the 613 laws in the Old Testament. There is not a single point in all the gospels where you will see Jesus sinning. He perfectly follows all the commands of the Bible. And in Hebrews 2, we see this. Hebrews 2, uh, it's pointing out that Jesus totally got what it's like to be human, but he did it flawlessly. He was a perfect stand-in for us before God. And we have a slide for this, but it goes like this. Uh, Hebrews 2, verse 14. Since therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things and that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jump to verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Think about this. For Jesus to be a real life savior, he had to dive into every bit of the human experience. Being there for us in every way, there's this incredible connection happening, except for the one thing, that he did not sin. See, to pull us out of this mess, this is what he had to do. He had to completely step into humanity 
but without sin himself. So imagine this personal journey, Jesus walking in our shoes, feeling what we feel, except when it comes to sin. He had to be spotless to rescue us from that. It's like this extraordinary blend of understanding us so well, yet being untouched by the very thing that tripped us up. He understood us so well, but was not tripped up by the things that mess us up. That's the depth of his rescue mission. It was personal, it was profound, and it was sin-conquering. So I'm going to bring this all together. Two points. Jesus knows what it's like to be you. And Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus fully embraced the human experience, learning, growing, and making mistakes like us, highlighting the profound significance of his relatable journey. Jesus knows what it's like to be you. And in his earthly journey, Jesus not only obeyed his parents, but perfectly followed all the commandments, illustrating his complete humanity without sin and providing the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus gave his life for you. For Jesus to be a genuine savior, he had to fully share our human experience, rescuing us from every aspect. So why does it matter in 2024 that Jesus was like us in every way, but without sin? In simpler terms, Entering this new year tomorrow, we find assurance in Jesus' understanding of our humanity, confidently moving forward with him as our savior. This passage shouts out that God isn't some far off God who doesn't get our struggles. He went all out and gave us the most amazing gift we could ever receive, and that was his son. I mean, think about it. Jesus, the one whom everything was created, the creator of the cosmos, the one who upholds the universe in the palm of his hand, came down to our level and learned and experienced humanity in every way. He lived here. He grew up. He experienced the good and the bad. Imagine the creator feeling the joys that you had when you had all your family around the the table this Christmas. Or when you got a phone call that one of your best friends has the the call of cancer and saying, hey, I'm not going to make it. Jesus knows what we're feeling. And get this, he didn't just hang out. He followed all of God's commands checking all the boxes that we were meant to check according to the law of God. He became our ultimate representative and died on our behalf. That truly is beyond words the greatest gift I could even stand up here and try to explain to you. God is saying to us, I totally get you. I get your struggles, your pain, your suffering. 
It's not just some empathy from a distance. He entered into our lives. It's deep, personal understanding because God walked in our shoes. You even think about this though too, (laughs) how humorous Jesus is. I love that he gave his two closest friends the nickname Sons of Thunder. I mean, it's definitely not Thor's kids, I'll tell you that. It's not like, that was totally banter between friends. Jesus is a gift that won't wear down, that won't get lost or break. There's no upgrade coming. The next 2.0, Jesus is the greatest gift you could ever receive. It's eternal, it's perfect, and holy promising eternal life with your creator forever. As you head into the new year, consider this great news. Jesus knows what it's like to be you. And he gave his life for you, bringing all of yourself to him. Maybe your number one resolution in 2024 is to know that Jesus understands and gave his life for you. There is nothing that God doesn't comprehend about you and he came down to save you and be like you in every way. Let's pray. Father, it is a mysterious miracle that you would send your son down to earth to become like us in every way but not sin. Your miraculous promise is possible because you our God. Our sin required a sacrifice for us to be near you forever, and yet you provided our replacement, Jesus, the lamb who was slain on our behalf, the child who was born to cover our shame. A new way has been made for us. Redemption wrapped in in swaddling clothes. Emmanuel, God with us. God who came to be like us and to be with us in every way. And we say this all in Jesus' name, amen.